being in the public eye, you know, sometimes can be great because it comes with a lot of perks, but also it can be very exhausting and can make you feel very insecure at times. We were always made to believe that you had to see a therapist because you are crazy, because you have issues. And I realized, in fact, how much I needed this as part of who I am today and how much I discovered who I am today. As a consumer of social media myself, even though I know that social media only highlights the highlights, I also fall into the trap of comparing myself to others. Today on The Mental Space, we are featuring a mother, entrepreneur, and well-being advocate who also happens to be one of the largest social media personalities in the region, having amassed a global audience of over 13 million. She also has a master's degree in psychology, her own international eyewear business, and roles as the UNHCR high-profile supporter. And if that's not enough, she's the global face of Roberto Cavalli Fragrance, a Middle East ambassador for Ghislaine Skincare and is someone who is trying to redefine the concept of working mum. Despite these accolades, she protects her family first mentality and in doing so continues to showcase a remarkable human side to influencing. Our conversation took place on stage at the Caring for Each Other event, which was a partnership between Beatrice and Sesame Workshop, the makers of Sesame Street, as they launched a series of resources to help children and parents alike deal with their well-being. My guest today, of course, is Karen Wazen. You're a professional who lives on social media. We were just hearing from Dr. Celia about the dangers of social media. It's given us lots of positives. There are negatives. What's your view and how, how do you approach social media in your family? That's a great question and in fact it's a question that I ask myself all the time because when I first started existing on that platform I never imagined that one day my social media platform would actually turn into a business. It was not a thing that anyone had actually experienced at the time. It was very relatively new. Um, I feel very grateful that I came across this platform when I was already married, already had my you know, master's degree in psychotherapy, and I was very aware of myself, very aware of what I would want out of this platform. So I definitely do understand where Dr. Sadi has coming from with having today teenagers exposed, not really wanting, not really understanding what it is that they truly want from this platform. Um, which is why today I feel that someone who is existing on this platform has a very big responsibility. And uh, while I believe that I you know, try and do my part, I definitely do think that there is a lot more that I can do. But as a human, sometimes you know, we either get carried away or we forget. <laughs> and we need to remind ourselves constantly. One thing that I'm obviously very grateful for is the fact that um, you know, we grew up with an amazing mom who really pushed us to be not just the best version of ourselves, but also to really understand what we love, what we're good at. And this is what really brought me to doing my master's in psychotherapy and even studying psychotherapy to begin with. And this is where I really discovered the importance of mental health. I went, um, as part of my course um, in psychotherapy, I um, had to undergo hours of therapy myself. 
And I walked in, I was in London, I walked into the therapy room and um, I sat in the chair with the therapist and he asked me, you know, like, why are you here and how would you like to use these sessions? And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with me and I just have to, you know, get my hours done so that I can graduate. Exactly. And two years later, he reminded me of what I had said in my first session. We were always made to believe that you had to see a therapist because you were crazy, because you have issues. And I realized, in fact, how much I needed this as part of who I am today and how much I discovered who I am today, which is why I believe that social media today can be used as a very important tool to make people understand the benefits of taking care of yourself, whether it's going through to therapy, whether it's taking the time you need to exercise, whether it's truly to make people understand how important it is to find something that they love to do every single day. And this is how I believe, I would like at least to believe that I use my platform. And it's a process because I evaluate this every single day. Every night, literally before going to bed, I think, did I add value today? And you know, being a mom, like you said, I'm, I'm a mom of three. Um, I, I spend a lot of time on my phone and they see that yeah. and I have to put a very conscious effort in you know, putting my phone away because I don't come back from the office and switch off. My office is my phone. Yeah. So it is with me everywhere I go. The office follows me, not I you know, come in and out of the office. So it is a process, but one that I am you know, learning from and learning. We've had conversations previously uh, about screen time, the journey to words of screen time, and how do you approach the, yeah, the concept of screen time with your kids practically in the home? Uh, again, this is something that's kind of in the making. So my children are seven. They're all seven. They're not triplets. Uh, um, and, you know, I guess like every family, me and my husband have debates about screen time all the time. And we've tried, you know, different ways of addressing screen time at home. We've tried the no screen time on the on, during weekdays, only on the weekends. But then I found my children waking up at 6 a.m. on the weekends and running to their iPads because now they're allowed. And then it was, you know, not until 8. And then, okay, not until 12. And then I, re I personally realized, I mean, again, we have these conversations all the time, my husband and I. Because he's he thinks it's a good rule. I don't. Um, I personally believe that forbidding it during the week almost makes it seem like this is something that is so rewarding on the weekend. Yeah. So I don't like this association, and I would rather control and have a balance in how much they can use screen time, or at least making sure that you know, did you do all your activities? Did you, you know, did. It, you can get screen time when you're done doing what you need to do. You know, this is the kind of approach I personally prefer. But I, but it's it's tough. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's it's tough on us. You know, it's tough for us to have limits for ourselves. So I can only imagine children. But I think what is most important is what they are consuming, not necessarily how much time, because they can be watching ten minutes, but ten minutes of excuse my language, but crap. And this is what will more negatively impact our children than spending hours but watching something that might be quite beneficial to them. 
So this is where, for me, I kind of draw the line as to what it is that they are watching. And uh, my other concern would be what they are missing out on when they are doing screen time. So, you know, like you mentioned, we, our parents used to be like, the struggle was how are they going to bring us back into the house from, you know, playing outdoors. But today, the, I have personally struggled with telling my children, please go to the park, go kick a ball, because what they would rather do is be, you know, in front of a screen, which I also understand. And I, and I talk to them about it because I get it. It is highly addictive, it is difficult, it is comfortable, and, and this is why I think pushing our children to find something that they truly love to do, this is the way that we will very easily drive our children off the uh, screen time or technology. Great answer. Uh, Dr. Celia also mentioned earlier about comparison. What's really interesting about your account is that you're taking this very kind of definite, I mean, your life's flowers. So definitely a lot more glamorous than mine. Um, However, you take time with your plan to talk about the real human aspect. You know, there is fragility, there's frailty, there is struggle, there is frustration. What inside, in a world where often social media is all about perfection, to not be perfect on social media? I'm happy you see that because this is something that I put a conscious effort to portray. Um, I would say, you know, when I first started on social media, I never assumed that people that didn't know, that I didn't know, would know who I am. And, uh, you know, growing up as a young adult, um, everyone who knew me knew that I was a very kind of kind person, a very authentic person, and a real person. And when I started my journey on social media, I just assumed that everyone would know that this is who I am, until I realized that they would not know unless I showed this. So this is where I understood how important it was for me to show the true human in who I am. And as a consumer of social media myself, even though I know that social media only highlights the highlights, I also fall into the trap of comparing myself to others. So I would definitely not want to be the person or the other person who's looking at me and thinking, I want to be like her, but I can't be like her, and it making her feel bad about herself. I want to be the opposite. I want to be someone who sees themselves in me and sees how I am able to accept who I am with who I am, love myself for who I am, and I'm hoping that that will, you know, be impact them that way. So this is why I choose to be that person. And again, I do feel I wish I did more and I want to do more, and uh, because it's important. It's important when I feel that, for example, and you know. I, like I said, I use social media and I'm a consumer of social media, so when I take my son to a football game, for example, I'm probably only going to post the shots where he scores a goal. I'm not going to post the ones where he misses. There's another mom who's watching and seeing my son scoring goals and probably thinking, why does my son not score that many goals? And this is where it can become painful because there is a whole other side to this. I don't, for example, talk about the fact that, you know, my son is not perfect uh, with uh, expressing himself. I talk about what he's great at. And this is what social media is. So it is so important for us to understand the limits of how much you can take in and how much life exists beyond it. I mean, there's some... 
I'm thinking of the session campaign here as well, when we talk about big feelings. You're, you're getting quite emotional when you're talking about that. How do you, you know, how do you deal with your emotions? Um, we talk about big feelings. Uh, when you were talking with Dr. Slee earlier, how important it is for us as parents to deal with our own big feelings so that we can look after our children. I mean, absolutely. And uh, like uh, uh, Dr. Abidi mentioned this before, I think we can only take care of our loved ones after we you know, take care of ourselves. And um, I mean, I do get emotional in general talking about these things because at the end of the day, my purpose you know, beyond anything is to be a good parent. And you know, sometimes you question yourself as a parent, you want to be doing the best you are, but you can, but are you really, no one you know, really gives you a handbook and tells you this is the perfect parent. You almost have to discover this for yourself every single day. Uh, so I'm very grateful, like I said, that I went through therapy myself for two yeah. years and I discovered so much about myself, about my feelings, about why I feel a certain way. Uh, about how I deal with my feelings because again being in the public eye you know sometimes could be great because it comes with a lot of perks but also it can be very exhausting and can make you feel very insecure at times and makes you feel that there's this constant feeling of you're not doing enough or someone else is doing better so all these feelings bringing them back home to my children when they are seeing me as their role model you know, is, is very unhealthy. So understanding the importance of mental health, of taking care of myself first so that I can be a better person is something that I value and that I really try as much as possible to, to put at the forefront of my lifestyle. And now, for example, I've recently introduced, it's sad to say that recently, but recently introduced working out as part of my lifestyle. And it's something that I always gave an excuse for, like, I don't have time to do that. And today, the fact that I do that, and I, I do it so willingly, like today I had to skip my morning session and I, I, I'm taking an afternoon one, and this was never who I was before. You know, I'd be like, okay, I mean, I can do it today, so I can do it today, but now I will definitely try and find the time to do it because I realize how happy it makes me. And when I'm happy, my children are happy. And what is it that I want more from this life than to see my children happy? I really resonates with what Dr. Salir was saying earlier. And we do tend to fall in this, into this trap, don't we? That, you know, I, I, and thank you for talking about therapy and what that yeah. all with you, because it seems like we never have time for ourselves. Um, and so many people out there wait for the car to break down. Like we service our car, we don't wait for it to break down. But we only ever see cattle when we're in crisis. I think perhaps maybe one of the key takeaways from your conversation is make time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, like you said as well, just having a conversation. I think that you know a lot of people ask me what is the kind of reason to for your success, and and after really you know asking people around me, you know, why is it that you follow me? I think you know being authentic and being true to yourself is so key, and loving yourself for who you are is so key. And this is something that we don't, I think, value. You know, people always make you believe that you're kind of, or we are more comfortable believing that we're not good enough. Yeah. So I think this is something that is also super important. I put myself in the fashion world where, honestly, very little people looked like me. I'm very short. I didn't fit any sample sizes when I first started, and it, it didn't make me feel very good. But yet, I'm, I'm there, and. Uh, and really truly believing that you know being the best version of yourself and being who you are 
it, uh, an industry doesn't define you, you define it. And I think this is where um, it is very important for us to kind of keep pushing to, to, to make everything a little bit more inclusive. Thank you, Karen, Thank for your time and your insights. And don't worry about your son's missed goals. If you've ever seen him play golf, he's going to feel a lot better about that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause.